0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, September 10, 2023. The share ID numbers for Friday, September 8, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 20,612, That's two zero one excuse me two zero six one two. And for the ten AM Eastern Big Book Study twenty thousand six hundred and thirteen. That's two zero six one three. This morning a vision for you presents a walk through the serenity prayer with the twelve steps. The twelve steps as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. We have a personal transformation, a change in the way we think, a change in the way we feel, and especially a change in the way we behave. The big book states in Appendix 2, With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Through following the spiritual directions and practicing the 12 steps, We now live in the fourth dimension, a spiritual way of life, one day at a time. When we find ourselves in challenging, difficult, or desperate situations, we seek resources that offer peace, that offer us strength and wisdom. What many of us in Overeaters Anonymous and other 12-step rooms find is that the simple words of the serenity prayer, whispered to God, to our higher power, have seen us through our darkest hours. The serenity prayer is one of the key spiritual tools used by virtually all 12-step groups. The following is the adaptation most commonly found. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Many have come to believe that the qualities expressed in the serenity prayer can come only from God, a higher power of our own understanding. We find the serenity, the courage, and the wisdom through a relationship with a higher power, a relationship which we continue to enlarge and sustain through the application of the 12 steps. Through this relationship, this vital connection, we are given the strength to face Another situation, another step, and another day. Joining us today to illuminate the impact and the timeless treasure of the serenity prayer is Haley R., a recovered compulsive overeater from Georgia. Haley is a dedicated member of Overeaters Anonymous and devoted to the application of our 12 steps and carrying the message of recovery. And it's with great appreciation that I welcome Haley R. to the line this morning. Good morning, Haley. Hey,
1: good morning. How are you? I hope everybody's doing okay. This is Haley R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I live in the state of Georgia. Um, Yeah, so thank you for having me speak this morning I'm very appreciative to a vision for you meeting this was one of the very first meetings I came to uh, almost 11 years ago 10 11 years ago and was fortunate enough to hear recovery for the first time so um, I'm very grateful to be here so what I would first like to do is just kind of qualify and tell you a little bit, take a few minutes to, t- to just say a little bit about my journey. Like I said, I came into the rooms of OA around 10 or 11 years ago here in my small town where I live on the coast. And we had a um, very small in-person meeting, very dedicated members that would come. And um, that's where I first realized that there were people like me in the world Um but that led me to vision and that led me to getting a couple of great sponsors that brought me on this journey and where I am today. So very grateful. But what it was like for me as a kid, was one of my very first thoughts or memories um, of, of realizing that I had a problem was I was around eight years old and I got home off the bus. And my grandma was there my grandma was what we would call a feeder. Um, You know, love is food here, like in many cultures, but um, I got home and back in the 80s, went and got my bag of Doritos, sat in front of the TV, and before I knew it, they were gone. I got to the bottom of the bag and realized, oh, crap, what am I going to do with the evidence, right? That was one of the first times that I remember having fear or shame wrapped around my eating and, um, you know, that went on into my adolescence where, you know, I would offer to clean the dishes just so I could empty the pots into my mouth versus into the trash. And, um, that led to dreams of when I could drive. Well, if I can drive, I can have a job. And if I can have a job, I can have money and I can go through the drive through whenever I want. Um, that led into my twenties that I realized I was I was bigger than other kids, and um, that led to my era of fad diets. Any diet, like most of us here, I'm sure, I, if it was there, I did it, and I did it once, and it worked once, and it never worked again. And um, so I I continued to live that insanity of the binging and restricting cycle, um, and I did that most of my life never allowing myself to even dream of being in a normal body weight just trying to get down i'm five six so just trying to get down to 180 was a special place for me then in my 30s i went to graduate school and it morphed from fat diets into more of a what's wrong with me was i abused was i mentally ill was i just morally bankrupt. Like, what? what's the problem? You know, it was me trying to figure out the psychology of it. And um, that is a, towards the end, middle of my 30s is when I found OA and I started reading OA 12 and 12 with my small group of fellows here and realized that no, it's, there's nothing wrong with me. This is just how I'm made I always remember going to to eat with with friends, and they could leave half of the food on their plate and I thought they were the they were the ones that were <laughs> something wrong with them because who can leave that sitting on the plate like it was a foreign concept to me so what I did um, I had a sponsor a couple of years ago um, that walked me through the first hundred and sixty four pages and of the big book. Of I'll call it the, the Blue Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, that's where I learned that I had this allergy, this uh, physical allergy and the mental obsession, and so I dropped a number of ingredients from my food, but, you know, I'm going to be honest, when I came on to vision meetings, I heard all the things that you all do to get and stay recovered, and I was like, Pfft. I'm not like them. It's not that bad. I don't have to do this like that. Like, I can just do a little bit of it. And one of my favorite lines in the big book is on page 25, and there is a solution. And it says, there is a solution. Um, and I have the word, but next to it, the line drawn down the page to the last paragraph, it says, there is no middle of the road solution. And um, I was. Less enough, given the grace, to eventually, uh, about a little over a year and a half ago, to attend a Big Book workshop weekend here in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, on the coast, um, and meet my current sponsor, and was blessed with an experience the week before that to realize that, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sick. I'm just that sick, and I can't half-ass this. I can't do a half-of-the-way solution. I can't take what I want to do, and leave the rest behind. There is no middle-of-the-road solution for me. So what I did was I said, yes, ma'am. She said i do it, I did it. And I wanted so desperately what she had, and I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. Um, And so what I do now, same things I did then. Um, You know, I, I the very first and primary thing for me is getting up every morning and before I even speak to people um, having my prayer meditation time to set my day off right without that I will surely fail I will surely fail um, I commit my food bill to my sponsor the night before for the next day I make outreach calls to fellows every day I sponsor I go to meetings I um, And even if I don't want to and I'm a very selfish person so most of the time I don't want to do it but I do it anyway Um, because I realize that if I don't then I'm back to work in a half program and that's going to surely get me to a place I don't I don't want to be so like the book says you know we We can have a life beyond our wildest dreams, and I can say that today I sit in a normal body weight, which over my lifetime, I have never even allowed myself to dream of that, and um, some days I'm still like, what size is this? Like, I, what? Like, it, I can't even, it's still kind of a foreign concept to me, but this is the body that my God has given me. This is the weight that he wants me to be at, so here I am, and um so yeah, that's I am definitely a real <clears throat> compulsive overeater, and that's that's me. So one of the um, things that really one of the prayers that really helped me, not just in program, I've known the serenity prayer for a very long time. What I was not aware of um, was the entire serenity prayer. so um when i when I found that, it really hit home for me so when I was asked to speak I thought yeah this is this is somewhere that I can literally pull out each line and and touch every single step in the 12-step program through one of the lines in this entire prayer and I really like to share the entire prayer with people because it really helps put the 12 steps in perspective for me so I'm going to preface this by saying that um, i only speak from my my experience with this entire serenity prayer this is as i know it and this is my experience with the 12 steps i like to say if you talk to 50 different fellows you're going to get 50 different opinions and 50 ways to sponsor and 50 ways of doing things so again this is my experience also i call my higher power god and i use the word he um but please understand that in this prayer this can be adapted to whatever you call your higher power also you know we have a we have a lot of prayers in 12-step programs and i sometimes change the words to make it feel more personal to me so you'll notice it when i read this prayer a couple of the words i've um i changed not changed but the pronouns or the the words descriptive words that kind of changed just because it makes me feel like i'm Increasing my conscious contact with God. Um, So if you hear it a little differently, then, then you'll know why. So I'm just going to read the whole thing. And then I'm going to break out line by line where the 12 steps kind of fit in in my experience. So the whole prayer goes, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. All right. I'm going to start my. I'm going to write my times down because it'll be 1030 and I'll still be talking. So um, all right. Let's put that there. Okay. So the first line, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. So I'd like to break this out into step 1A and step 1B. So step 1A is basically I admitted I am powerless over food. We know this because in the big book, and the doctor's opinion, it says the body of the alcoholic and the overeater is quite as abnormal as his mind. And it also tells us that we've decided our situation is hopeless. So if it's hopeless, I'm powerless over this. And for me, it was a realization that week in November that this is something that I, I can't change this. Um, you know, and, and I've heard fellows say step one is the is the step you can do perfectly and 100%. And um, I didn't get that for a long time. I thought that on a subconscious level, I still had some control over all of this. But I had to have an experience that I had in order to realize that I'm completely without power. And that's a very hopeless feeling. It's very hopeless feeling. Also that I'm not like other people. Now, when I mentioned that, you know, when I would go to dinner with people and they would leave food or dessert or whatever on their plate, and I'm like, what? I already knew I was different, but I thought they were the, the weird ones, not me. Um, but now I know that I am distinctly different from other people <clears throat> because I have an allergy of the mind, and an allergy of the body, and an obsession of the mind. And so because I'm different, I have to realize that I have no power and if I have no power that means a lot of times I have to follow this is where a sponsor comes in I have to follow the patterns of someone who has found a power outside themselves and do the things they do so for me what does that look like when it comes to food I weigh and measure I never weighed and measured on a diet ever because that's dumb I'm not doing it like wouldn't well that was that was asked i did it so i still do it i weigh and measure my food on a meal plan from a nutritionist i make conscious contact with god i do step tens i make sure i clean house and then i go help others i can't hold on to resentments or really any strong emotion um that might lead to a resentment because if i hold on to it i don't have that luxury i'm not like these people who can eat you know, half of their dessert and leaves. Are, I that's they. They might fall in the same house. I live in a different house, and in my house, I have to I have to sweep a lot constantly. Um, and that's a step ten. But if I don't, that leads me to the old solution, and my old solution is to eat and be mean and irritable, and that's not where I want to be today. Um, if you can't tell I'm very I, I, I'm, I can be stubborn and self-reliant um, so this concept was very difficult for me to conceptualize until I had an experience that woke me up that showed me otherwise and on the AA 12 and 12 and step 1 page 21 it says every natural instinct out against the idea of personal powerlessness so um, for me personally it was a very unnatural feeling um, to not have something that I could control um, because I spent decades trying to control it and so step 1b that our lives had become unmanageable um, you know I hear a lot, and I personally experienced that. Well, it's not, is it? Is it really unmanageable? Because I'm holding down my job, I'm not getting arrested, I'm not um, abusing or neglecting my children, my marriage is okay. You know, you're a lot. I've heard a lot of people say that, and I said I said the same things. But what was unmanageable for me was the mental obsession and the insanity. Um, of, okay, I'm eating breakfast, but what's for brunch? What's for lunch? Where can I go? Where are we going to go to dinner tonight? And I'm obsessing over it all day. What's unmanageable about that is, am I being affected at work? Mm-hmm. Am I being effective as a parent? As I, you know, am I, I mean, am I spending the quality time? Am I being present? No, I can't be present if my thoughts are somewhere else. And so for me, it was a very internalized. Way of thinking and acting that was not apparent to people outside of me. Even now, if I say, you know, I I work a twelve step program of recovery because I have a food addiction, people look at me sideways and usually they don't know what to say, so they just change subject. But if they do, they're like, "What?" And I go into it because I don't. My life doesn't look or didn't look unmanageable. So um, for me, it was very internalized and not apparent. So, the second line is the courage to change the things that I can so there's a there's a few steps in this one. Step three is the biggest one that it, for me, and that's the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. I may not be able to change it myself, but I can turn my my will and my life over and let my higher power change it now. Can my higher power just clap his hands, wink and or you know, nod and I'm cured? Yes. Do I believe my higher power is capable of that? Yes. Do I think he will? No. Why? Because that you know, it's like i I I equate it to winning the lottery. If I'm in the lottery, like I'm not gonna ask, you know, I'm not gonna work for money, right? Why do I need to work for money for? If I'm cured, why do I need to go to God? What do I need to go to him for? So that's my my point here with this is this is where for me steps six and seven come in. My God can do it. My God can do anything. He's just that big, but he's not going to because that's what keeps me close to him. And so what do I need to change? The courage to change the things that I can. What are the things I can change? Well, my actions. These are, these are things I can control, not in a sweeping annual, you know, years basis, but on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. And for me, step six, which is I became willing to ask God to help me remove my defects of character. And seven, I humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings. That, in and of itself, is action steps for me. And so these are things that I can try to change. Are they going to change overnight? They are not. Is, it, is this my life's work? Absolutely. And so for me, selfishness, like most addicts, is my primary character defect. And Many things flow from my selfishness. But my selfishness turns into selflessness, which I will have to be intentional with my entire life. My stubbornness and my self-reliance can turn into persistence. So my arrogance At times and self-reliance can then turn into humility but just this morning in my prayer meditation I did a litany for humility prayer because I need to remember my place I am my God's child I am NOT here to please others or to please myself I'm here to do his work but that's hard for me because I'm selfish and I want everything my way so through steps six and seven I can figure out what those defects are come up with an action plan and pray every morning step seven: prayers God help me not be so selfish help me not be so impatient those are the things I can just have to have the courage to do it and the wisdom to know the difference this is step two <clears throat> this is the this is the part for me where the spiritual experience comes in um, that believing a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity this kind of coincides with step 11 which is i sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with god praying only for his will and the power to carry that out so i have to believe that he can do it and then i have to pray and improve my conscious contact which i call my friendship with god so that i can have knowledge of what he wants i cannot do that if i'm eating if I'm getting my way, if I'm sitting on resentments, I I don't. My conscious isn't clear. My thinking isn't clear. In my experience, clear thinking and conscious contact with God breeds wisdom. So if I'm not eating my, um, if I'm not I'm not eating foods that trigger the physical allergy or the mental obsession, I'm making conscious contact with God um i'm working my steps six and seven i'm I'm doing my action steps then then and only then for me will i receive the words usually it's an intuitive thought in my prayer meditation or throughout the day from my higher power i like to think of um things like the wisdom knows, knows the difference what i can control versus what i can't i like to think of concentric circles this is a bad analogy but think of a donut So if you look in the middle, the little hole, right, the little circle, these are things that I can control. The things outside that circle um, are things I cannot control. And sometimes when I get too bogged down, I have to think, okay, God, help me know what's in my control. What can I control in this moment right now? I can control whether I stop and pray. I can control whether I keep my mouth shut with your help. I can control whether I choose to make an outreach call or if I just give in to I don't want to. These are the things that I what can I control and what I what can't what I what can I not control But I have to have the wisdom to know the difference if I'm if I'm not clear. I'm not going to know Living one day at a time enjoying one moment um, at a time. I have a sticker on my iPad case that says just for today and I like that because I see it every day and it helps me to remain in the moment The AA 12 and 12 in step two um, says this answer has to do with the quality of our faith rather than its quantity. So for me, my God, um, you know, I I like to see my God as um, a big burly guy with a beard. I don't know why, but um, my God loves to have me sit in my happy place on a bench and just chat. He loves that. But he would rather me do it for five minutes intensively and consciously And holy than have me do it for 30 minutes, 15 times a day when I'm multitasking. It's more about the quality of that time with Him in that moment. Um, I like to think of this, I like to think of my God as a parent and I'm His child. And I like to think, I'm going to, the analogy here is like I'm the parent with my kids. I know as a parent, the quality of the time I'm spending with my kids is going to be more for me personally, more important than the amount of time I'm spending with my kids. Because if I'm I'm sitting at the park or the beach or um, at their volleyball game and I'm on my phone and I'm not paying attention, it doesn't matter that I'm there for me. You know, it's, it's, I have to be conscious and trust me, I'm selfish. I have to be conscious of putting things down and paying full attention. This is a practice for, for me to do that quantity the quality over the quantity my prayer meditation it's a struggle it's a struggle sometimes for me to focus on the quality and enjoying that moment because for me I'm, I like the future trip I like to I don't go in the past a whole lot that I will daydream I've always done it the teacher wouldn't even put me out a window when I was like in kindergarten because I'd be staring out the window what am I thinking about I don't know but I can do it. So I like to think about the future, which leads to worries, which takes me down the wrong path. So being in the moment and enjoying that moment. And what I can say is living a recovered life, it's not perfect. I don't think it's ever going to be perfect, but it is getting better. And I do see my personal relationships growing at a snail's pace, but they're growing. And it's not because of them, it's because of me living one day at a time. it centered into one moment at a time as much as I can I will also say living in 10 11 and 12 gives me that mental clarity and emotional sobriety to be present if I'm not working my program the way I should then I'm not going to have the mental clarity and I'm not going to be as present as I could be and as I should be for the people around me and for my higher power all right. so accepting hardship as the pathway to peace taking the simple world as it is not as I would have it oh, okay so I like to have things my way um, so this is this is a little tricky for me so this basically can cover steps four through nine all of those working and action steps right there in the middle and as a recovered person I live in step 10 um, which kind of for me encompasses that but in steps four and five we make a searching and fearless moral inventory and admit to ourselves to God another human being that what I did was wrong and I'm accepting responsibility for my actions um, that's hard to me that was hardship as accepting hardship as a pathway to peace um, but I had a good example of seeing that peace, and I knew that if if my sponsor and other recovered people had gone had, had accepted that hardship and gone through it, that I would eventually have the peace they had, so I just did it um, so we can all we can do hard things and they can lead to peace, but that also requires an acceptance of the world as it is, and not necessarily as I would like it so when I think of step four. And five, it's, there may have been things done to me when I was younger um, as a kid or an adolescent or teen that I were had zero responsibility for. Um, but as a 46-year-old woman, I have the responsibility of figuring out what is my responsibility now to myself, to God, to my fellows, and to the people around me <clears throat> and taking responsibility for my healing. Um, And again, that's hard, but if I take responsibility for that, it has led me to a place of peace. When I take the sinful world, whatever happened as it is, and not as I would have had it, then I hit a level of acceptance, I'm able to forgive, and I'm able to have some peace. And um, that for me is really what, you know, life, life can be about, is having that peace in my life. Um, again, I'll say this also pertains to six and seven, my favorite steps, but it helps me build an action plan for me. It's like a behavior plan you know it gives me something hard and fast that I can do to try to help God along the way okay also, love and tolerance is my code, so uh, you know I like. To- Uh, I go to work there's somebody sitting across from me in a meeting and and I don't like what they're saying this this happens and but I this is where being recovered and having the clarity and and taking things as as, taking people we can even take take the simple world as it is not as I would have it we could go as far as say taking people as they are not as I would have them well I'm put here to try to love that person I don't know what's going on with them I don't have to like everything that comes out of somebody's mouth. All I need to do is clean my side of the street, stay in my lane, focus on what I can control. And so, love and tolerance is our code. Big Book tells us that. And tolerance for me isn't that I just need to um, sit back and hear and take whatever they're saying. It's it's more of if someone has offended me, let me try to give them the benefit of the doubt first. Because that has not giving someone the benefit of the doubt has not worked for me in the past. This led me to resentment, which has led to my old solution, which is eating. So let me just try it. Again, this is very hard for me to do, but it is a work in progress. My next note says it's my life's work. I truly believe that this is my life's work. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. So again, you've got step three here. We've made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God and we understood Him. And it is a decision. The AA 12 and 12, step three on page 34 tells us there is only one key. And it's did I skip the page? No, I didn't. Okay, good. He felt it tells us there is only one key, and it is called willingness. Okay. So If I am trusting that He will make all things right, if I surrender to His will, that means I have to be willing, and I have to trust. For me, what this looked like over my lifetime has been: um, I like to tell God what I want, and then I get mad when He doesn't do it. So I came into program. I came into the room with the God of my childhood and I can say I I felt like I had a, I have, a, at that point had a personal relationship with God and I did. I like to equate it to the college student that goes off to school and never calls to check in, just calls when they need money or is in trouble or, you know, needs, needs mom or dad come swoop in and take care of things, clean things up. That was me. Um, I still had a relationship, but that was, how it was defined, and if I didn't get my way, I would pout, and um this isn't fair, life's not fair, why is it happening to me? um if he thought if you you could change this if you wanted to, I'd like to tell God what he should be doing um, and um getting upset when he didn't i like to I like the Garth Brooks song I'm showing the age here that some of God's grace, gifts, or unanswered prayers, and you know, looking back into my early, the earlier years, early 20s, 30s, I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot, and I felt I felt like I felt like it fell on deaf ears. I felt like God wasn't listening. Um, I now know, with the mental clarity and my experience um, seeking Him and developing this relationship that it just wasn't what he had in store for me so i I looked up the word trust in the dictionary and if we trust it means to rely or place confidence in someone or something and surrender is to stop fighting and admit defeat and so if i'm trusting that he will make all things right I am putting my confidence in my higher power that he's going to make all things right. All things. It doesn't say some things. It says all things. He's going to make all things right. If, there's that if, but only if I stop fighting and admit defeat. I stop fighting his will. For me, the confusing thing is what's his will? I don't know. Even if I'm like, if this was like, I'm a very black and I can be very black and white in my thinking, which can work and not work at times. But if, if God would just come and say, hey, this is the way, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what I want for you. I'd be like, cool, let me work towards it. I would be willing to do it, right? For me, and the way my brain works is it's not, I I don't have a problem surrendering to his will. I have a problem not knowing what that is. I'm happy to surrender. I just, well, I say I'm happy. Depending on what he said, I may not be too happy, but I'm willing to surrender if I knew what it was. But we don't. And um, this is part of what keeps me coming closer to my God. I kind of, again, equate it to winning the lottery. If he told me what his will was, then, you know, he'd be like, well, now you know. So, you know, the surprise is out of the bag. But um, that's. That's what keeps me coming to him. So I have to place my confidence in him and stop fighting and surrender to his will. So what do I get when I trust and surrender? For me, I get recovery from a hopeless state of mind and body one day at a time. That's what I get. And I I can only surrender one day at a time because to surrender forever would be too much for me personally. And the last line of the prayer is perhaps my most favorite. Um, so I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. So for me, in my personal belief, I believe um, that there is a life after this one on earth for me. So I, I think when I was working the steps, And going through this whole process of discomfort and I don't want to do this. Um, And then now life gets so lifey, circumstances don't determine my recovery. And so I may not like what's going on in my life. It may hurt. It may make me sad. It may make me really happy. It may, um, you know, it, it may just be the monotony of the routine day in and day out. So, what has helped me understand is that I'm not meant to be unicorns and rainbows every day of my life. If I get tiny moments usually that comes in that quality time, if I get tiny moments of real supreme happiness, those are gifts. Life is not meant to be lived that way for me. so what is what is reasonably happy look like? For me, that's showing up every day and saying, you know, look at look at what you gave me, God. Today I woke up, it's sunny. Oh, it's not ninety eight today. It's just ninety two. Thank you. That's a breather, right? Um, oh, the volleyball game got canceled. Thank God, because now I don't have to do that. Like these are these are reasonably happy things in life. I look at my husband and I say, Hey, he's yeah, he's cute. Even after fifteen years, he's still cute. You know, these are these are things that make up those moments of reasonable happiness. Um Supremely happy tells me that this life is meant to be hard. But for me there's there's a life after this to look forward to. And that's, that's when I get to, to ride unicorns and jump over rainbows all day, every day. Like that that's what that's going to be. That is not what this is. That's not what this, this life is. And so when, when circumstances pop up that are painful, whatever those may be, you know, when God tells me or shows me this is my will for you and it's painful or it's uncomfortable or I don't want to do it. Or I don't like it this life is meant to be reasonably happy I am here to do God's will that is not always what I want to do but it will eventually lead to the place that I'm supposed to be which I believe my God wants to show me brings reasonable happiness and can be a life beyond something I ever I never even allowed myself to dream of so this may be a resistance to change something because of a fear when God keeps pushing to say, just jump, just jump in. It's time, you know, or he may say, it's not time yet, it's not time yet. And he may be like, go. And it's nice, I have to jump. It's a leap of faith. I have to overcome that fear. So for me, reasonable, reasonably happy for me today means to stay close to God and to perform his work well. Um. That's all I have to say. I'm going to ask, I'm going to say the whole serenity prayer to close out my talk one more time. If you feel compelled not to unmute and say it with me, but just to say it with me, um, that would be great. So God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking true. the simple world as it is, yes. not as I would have, I it. have it be, trusting that you will mm-hmm. make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you
0: forever and ever
1: in the next. Thank you all for letting me share and I pass.
0: Thank you so much, Haley, for your beautiful presentation on the Serenity this morning. Thank you for your sharing of your personal experience, your insights, and how you apply the 12 steps in your daily life. Such a message of hope and possibility. Thank you. Another gem for the archives from Haley R. Thank you so much. Today's Shatner ID number, 20615. That's two zero. 615. Haley's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so do stay tuned for that. And we will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Haley by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the
2: first letter of your last name. Sharon Kay. Karen K. Patrick B. Gotcha, Patrick. Star one to mute if you'd like to pose a question. Did you get Karen K.?
0: I got you, Karen. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Mhm. All right, well, let's get started with Melissa. These. C. Melissa, thank you. Gotcha. Okay. So we've got Karen K., Patrick B., and Melissa C with questions thus far. So let's get started with Karen K.
2: Good morning, and thank you, everybody, for your service today and the share on the line. My name is Karen Kay from Syracuse, New York, and my credits still did not transfer. Um, just a quick question. Uh, can you tell me what your Step 11 looks like, uh, please, Haley? Thank you.
1: Hey, yeah. Um, all right, so my Step 11, I consider that my nightly inventory. Um, and so for me, every night I pull up my Spiritual Toolkit app and I start answering the questions. Um, Sometimes I read the reflection that's on the AA website before, sometimes I will do a little bit of um, quiet meditation before I I start my inventory. But I go through all the questions. And you know, the first one is, was I resentful? And for me, and that's the same way with the 10th step, which I call spot check inventory. um, It's not necessarily a resentment for me I think of a resentment as something that I've had an emotion about that I've hold I've held on to. And I don't I don't tend to hold on to to things even not recovered. I didn't tend to hold grudges or hold on to things. I would be very verbal and mean about it, but I wouldn't hold them. So for me, was I resentful looks like was I impatient? Was I rude? Was I offended? Was I basically did I have some strong emotion um, about something that I need to, that's gonna, that's gonna clutter up my sidewalk, my street. Um, for me, and I heard it, I think it was on the line at one point a fellow had said that if they had an emotional disturbance in the day and they felt some sort of way, and then they were like, huh, they just kind of noticed it and it went away, that was that and it would just go on the nightly inventory um if they if they felt some sort of way and then a couple of hours or a few hours went by and they had another thought about it that triggered the same kind of emotion that was when they did a spot check inventory on it so um i kind of go by that standard so for me if it if i'm slightly offended by something or um it's something that just doesn't fit right it usually goes on that that nightly inventory and to be honest if it happens at eight o'clock in the morning i may not remember it by nine o'clock at night and if i don't remember it then i'm not holding it so anyways i go through that whole process um in the spiritual toolkit app of the nightly inventory and at the the very last question I also add a list of at least five gratitudes to the bottom of that um, so I can go to sleep grateful. And I always do it right before I go to bed. So I'm, I'm pretty particular about making sure the day is done before I do that nightly inventory the same way with my prayer meditation in the morning. I don't even need to speak to somebody um, before I do my prayer meditation in the morning. Um, and then of course, the nightly inventory I'm sharing with someone else, at least one other person. Um, I hope that answers your question.
0: Thank you, Karen Kay. Yes, you
2: did, and thank you very much.
0: Patrick B., you're up.
2: Good morning
3: all, um, and thank you for your service on this meeting, and thank you, Haley. Um, What an amazing message. You know, you and I had the opportunity to meet at a point in your journey, I think, where I think of the line we stood at the turning point. And and the question I would just like to have you share on a little bit is, is, um, you know, there's that thing in We Agnostics that says, you know, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to admit that God was everything or he was nothing. What was our choice to be? Can you just share a little bit on how you found the willingness to take the, the steps that you took to, you know, ES, have a sponsor and do this work. I think it's important for people that are new to to hear that because that's what I was witness to, a, an, an immense act of courage that day. And I just want to thank you for all that you represent in this program. It's just, it was an amazing share to listen to this morning. Thank you. Yeah,
1: thank you, Patrick. Um, well, yeah, we have what another forty minutes because I could talk on that for forty minutes, but I won't.
2: <laughs> so,
1: um, gosh, you know, I had, I and I think you know when I started my talk today, the the part I w- I was working at halfway, I was working a half program and and I had my foods out in red, green, yellow, and Yellow being the foods that I could have, they weren't sending me to the closet to binge, but they weren't, meh, I, I could take it or leave it. So I thought, for me, I had spent, the before you and I um, met and I started working the steps and had that day of complete, with that time of complete willingness. You know, I I was in, I was in meetings, I was still coming and I hadn't had, um, real or artificial sugar for a while, but what happened was, um, I played around in the middle. I played around. First of all, I wasn't. I didn't think I was as sick as everybody else. I thought I could just take what I wanted and leave leave the things I didn't want. the 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 tools that is, um, just do whatever tools I thought I needed. Um, the other the other part of that is, I thought I could still control certain parts of what I was eating, how I was eating, when I was eating. I thought I could still do that. And so the actual moment, it was about a year and a half from the first time I worked, read, you know, worked the steps, read the first 164 of the big book until the time I, um, my last, my
2: current abstinence date, I got to a point where, Um, the
1: yellow became I was just eating it I I just you know I went from okay well I can have a sweetener if it's five down on the ingredients list and then it went to well three is okay until like the week of Thanksgiving because what happened was the week I had the week of Thanksgiving I'm an educator until we had that week off my husband had gone out of the country his family lives in South America and I was home with me and the kids and my son um, he left my husband left the next day my son tested positive for COVID this was around the time where you just stayed home you didn't go anywhere and I had been dabbling in that kind of oh if it's this ingredient then I can do it if it's that or uh, like can I can have cheese and a salad but I can't have it on a charcuterie board like this is the insanity that I now see as insanity I didn't see as insanity then but what happened was that week people started bringing food. It's the week of Thanksgiving, right? And so um, different foods that were on my red that I that I definitely binge on started being brought into the house. Um, Then there were foods that were yellow that I was like, well, you know, I don't have any choice. I talked myself into that. And what happened was towards the end of that week, the things that I had not had in six years, the foods I hadn't had in six years at that point, started looking like a possibility again, and it scared the crap out of me because I know how long it took me to stop and this was on self will because I certainly wasn't recovered six years prior to stop eating the binge food to, to put down the things that would send me into a complete state of insanity they started looking like possibilities again it scared me and by the grace of my god the following weekend was the big book workshop weekend here in the middle of you know in close to nothing um where we live and i think that something flipped since i like to hear the stories from fellows of that moment when they became willing Because lots of times, it's not some huge catastrophic event. It's something particular and small. And for me, it's kind of the same experience. At that moment, I said, oh, my God, I only have two choices. My back is against the wall. I'm in the corner. I can either eat what is is sitting in front of me. I can eat it. But I won't stop eating it. And I know this time is going to be worse than the other time. That I, it took me a year and a half to stop eating it. The last time, how many years is it going to be? This that, like if ever, and I can weigh four hundred pounds in a matter of three or four months, or I'm going to have to work a whole last program, just like those sick people on Vision for you. Like that was my mentality, and so that's what it took. I said I can't, I cannot put my children through this and my husband through this and be or myself and slowly kill myself and take them down with me i can't i cannot and again by the grace of god he had a safety net right up under me five days later that led me to what a whole solution looks like um and so that that is what led me um to that moment, it wasn't something catastrophic. It was a slap in the face realization that I am backed into the corner like a caged animal, and what am I going to do? Um, so, thank you for that question. That that was, um, yeah, that was definitely I feel like an experience that that we all need to have in order to be willing to just say yes, ma'am. And I I, I tried to kick back once, and that was the only time I tried. Um and still today, if you know my sponsor asks me to do something, it, it's pretty much it's yes. It's yes, because I still want to keep what she has um for myself. So thank you.
3: Thank you, Haley.
0: Thanks, Patrick. Melissa C, your turn.
4: Yeah, hi, good morning. Good morning, thanks so much. Oh Haley, it was really a pleasure to hear you and um and to you know get to witness your transformation as well. So um you know you mentioned your kids and you mentioned your husband and the serenity prayer. Um and I often I know for myself sometimes I struggle to discern like what what is within my power to change? What are the things that I can and what are the things that I can't? And I would just love to hear in relation to your to your children, and I, and I know you also work with children as well. So I think sometimes it gets confusing for, for myself and for others who have kids to, to sort of discern, and I was wondering what you could share with us on that. So um, thanks.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. So my kids are um, currently 8 and 12. And, um, what I have for, I would say first, I've always known that my children were on loan to me from my God, they belong to him. Um, and he's trusting me enough to raise productive people, productive, you know, I, I I can do the best I can do with them. Um, so I think that's the, that, that's hard, but I try to keep that at the forefront. And even in my conversations with them, I'll say, you know, I'm here, particularly my 12-year-old, when she doesn't like, um, now she's hitting that age where it's all independence and sassiness. So, you know, I, I like to approach it with God gave you to me and I feel so lucky that he chose me to be your mama. He also chose me to show you what it's like to live a productive life one that's respectful of yourself and others one that that teaches you how to make the good choice in difficult situations blah 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 depending on what the situation is um, but I will say before being recovered I also have had quite a bit of generalized anxiety um, to the point and I, I remember this very clearly before um, that that week I just talked about in November when my husband went out of the country. he and I had talked about because his whole family lived over there. we had talked about the kids going with him because of the price of airline tickets and they you know that time of year is so expensive and and I remember telling him you can take one kid. But you can't take both kids at once. So if something happens, um, at least I have—I'm not alone. Like, but I am serious. Like, I was like, that's just the way it's going to be, and I'm not even going to entertain any conversation that has anything else to do with that. You're welcome to take one, and you're going to take the oldest one first. Like, that's the 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 control. So that I was—that's where I was trying to. Um, control things even though these things are out of my control I didn't see it that way so when it comes to my kids I I flip that into um, when I was working the steps my mother-in-law also happened to be here visiting because he flew over brought her back she was here and around the time when he was going to take her back to the airport he said I'm gonna take the kids with my mama back to the airport and my gut, my instinct was like, No, you're not. What if you get in a wreck and everybody dies? Like you can take one. Like that was my first mentality was you can take one but you can and I shut and by the grace of God I was far enough into the step I had some access to that power. I said, This is not something that I can control. I could, but at what expense? And so I was Able again, not me. God was able to say, I literally said, Okay, okay. (laughs) And inside I was screaming, (laughs) inside I was screaming like, No, but I was able to say, Okay. And guess what? They all went, they got to say goodbye to their grandmother that they only see once every year and a half, two years, as it should be. And they came home and were all still alive. And so when it comes to my kids, and what I can control, and what I can change and what I can't change. I can, what is in my control, when I think about my circles, my little circle, I can have an experience, consequences, life hardships, I can allow that. I can't control every circumstance that's going to keep them safe, in my head safe, right? I am able, through the, through the program and through being recovered and having emotional sobriety and mental clarity, I'm able to just say, okay, within reason. Of course, if she's like, I'm going to go jump off the bridge, I'm going to be like, oh, no, ma'am, you're not. And I can keep her safe. But if she wants to do something reasonable, that's something I need to let her do. That's not something that I can control because as they get older, there's lots of things I'm not going to have any word over. Um So when I think about the things that I can, I can change, I have to really pray and say, God, what about the situation? Can I control what, what do I need to do here? And a lot of times I get the intuitive thought now, let her do it. Let her try, figure out a way that it's safe for her, not your crazy anxious brain, but her. And so it also comes with an acceptance of his will not just for my life but for their lives. And that may not be pretty. You know, it may not be what I want. It may not be um it may be awful and catastrophic. I I don't know. I think about um, people who who lose children, um, whose children die or get in accidents and and um you know it, it it really comes down to trust for me when it comes to parenting and being quiet and listening and it's in- it's it's iron said it ironic I don't know but I, I being recovered I know I came in because you know people like to say, "I come in for the vanity i stay for the sanity i, I of course I came in because I wanted to lose weight but being in a normal body weight is like number 15 down on the list of miracles I've experienced through working this, these steps and continuing to stay in these steps every day. One of the biggest miracles is that I can let my kids experience things that are going to help them grow and know how to handle the world and become resilient versus my anxious, scared self holding them from it. And then them being 18 and released into a world they don't know what that, what the hell to do. So that has been a true gift for me. Is it perfect? Am I like all peaceful and laid back and yes, sure, go experience No, that is not what's going on. But it I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. So, um now with my little 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 one, he's always been sassy, so that's always uh just trying to maintain my composure with him sometimes as much as I can ask. But um yeah. I think parenting and struggle and knowing what I can control and what I can't and what God would have me be is very important. God, what would you have me do? What would you have me be? What would you have me say in this moment? So a lot of times I have to ask her. she has to do something and I have to say, well, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to see. We'll see. When do you need to know? By the end of the day. Okay. I'll let you know something by then as long as I can. As opposed to, heck no, you're not going to go do that. You know how dangerous that is? So it really requires that relationship and me being willing. A lot of it always goes
0: back to that willingness to ask. Ask for help. So thank you. Thank you, Melissa, for your question. Who else has a question for Haley
4: this morning?
2: Star one ton mute. Marie R. New York. Marie R. Jordan L. in Colorado. Jordan. Lisa L. in Ohio. Lisa L. Jessica C. Jessica. Anyone else? So our one to mute. Gloria Ann in Ohio with the question. Okay,
0: and Gloria. Okay, I've got Marie R., Jordan L., Lisa L., Jessica C., and Gloria N.
4: Okay, Marie, your question, please. Uh, Thank you. I just wanted to thank you for your share, and um, I really got a lot out of it this morning. Today is day one for me, and I, I like that you touched on, you know, the fear, and, you know, especially with being a mom and stuff and what we go through. With that, but I, my question is, you mentioned something about other than red light foods. I think you said like, you know, yellow foods, and I'm only aware of the red light foods. And um and I am still drinking artificial sweetener. And um, I wanted to know what you thought about that. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Hey. Well, welcome. Day one. That's a big deal. So I want to sure I say that first, but. Um, yeah, and you know, when I said that um in the beginning, whenever you talk to fifty different people, you're gonna get fifty different answers. So what I would say is um if you want, at the end get my number and call me because I'd love to talk more with you about that. Um but for me, and I will just say this this is for me right now, red foods are binge foods. For me, these are foods that send me to the closet, send me to my car. Um, and I, I cannot get enough um, green foods for me are foods that I eat that don't trigger that physical allergy. Um, and for me now, I don't have yellow foods, it's either red or green, uh, it's very black or white. It either is, I either eat it or I don't. And for me, what was helpful was to um, figure out what the ingredients were and roll with the ingredients versus a specific food. Um, but that's that's my experience, and I am very happy to talk with you more about that um, if you want to give me a call.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Marie R., for your question.
2: Jordan L., your question, please. Hey, good morning. Um, thanks for um, all your service. Jordan L., i uh i am am really really inspired by
4: uh your share this morning. I did get on a little bit late, so forgive me if you um address this already but uh I would love to hear where your inspiration came from uh came from uh, as far as being inspired to share on something like the serenity prayer. It's like a prayer that we say a lot, (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. funny because I'm not sure that we always um, grasp (laughs) um, what it is that we're saying. Sometimes it's kind of out of desperation as opposed to um, seeking serenity, so uh, just where your inspiration came from for um, uh, sharing with us this morning, and and also maybe how inspiration uh, relates to your own 11 step practices and, and kind of how that flow works um, yeah. as far as inspiration from a higher power. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, it's a great question.
1: I will say my inspiration to do this, we have a newcomer meeting, a zoom meeting on Thursday, Thursday nights. And the, the person who shared there a couple of weeks ago kind of did this same kind of 20 minute talk on, um, he picked a couple of prayers and started going through them and I was like, huh, well, that, that may be what I need to talk on. So um, I will say that's where the impetus, as far as sharing today, came from. So give a shout out to him. But um, I will also say for me, the serenity prayer, when I started working this steps this last time, same big book weekend, there was a beautiful, now see, these are the regrets. There was a beautiful cross-stitch framed picture of the entire serenity prayer. Somebody had done it. It was either embroidery or cross-stitch, but it was in a frame it was in the silent auction, and I didn't get it. Um, I think I bid on it once, but I didn't get it. But that's, I know I had read the entire serenity prayer in my lifetime, but I don't think it hit until I read that. Um, and so once I read it, it, I really carried it through as a constant prayer um, as I worked the steps and it just hung around um, because there's so many parts in it that I struggle with surrender to God to, to God's will surrendering trusting um, accepting hardships you know it hits so many things all in one prayer that when I I, I prayed I prayed a lot in my morning um, meditation And when I pray it, I pause. You know, I pause, and I'm like, God, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. What am I going to come to today that I cannot change? Lots. Let's start naming them. Like so, a lot of times it will. I I take it line by line. Um, The courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, help me to know what I what I can and cannot change and control today, and help me let go of the rest. So for me, it's a it's a constant reminder of humility, staying in my lane, staying close to the to to God, who I will get my knowledge and strength and courage and willingness. I get that from from Him by staying close. Um, and so for me, it really. It really hits on all the major points it also helps keep me in check when it comes to action um, courage to change the things that i can i know that i can change certain things that this is why i have seven step prayers they're very specific my seventh step prayers i have a template and then i plug in the character defect how it shows up blah 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 and at the end of that prayer i say God help me be, and then it lays out how I need to be, how I need to show up. And so when I am, so when it comes to the eleventh step, when I'm thinking of my prayer and meditation, it shows me how I need to show up, my action steps, the changes I can make. Um, and, and I think the Serenity Prayer, especially in its entirety, helps me to focus on the things that I can do versus. The things that are impossible because I can always do something. Um, it just needs
2: to be what God would have me be. Um, so, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan L. Lisa L., your turn to pose a question. Good morning. Uh, this is
4: Lisa L. from Ohio. Um, my question is also on step one. I know you addressed it a lot, uh, especially with uh, surrender with the food, but I am curious of your experience with uh, surrendering, surrendering with uh, unmanageability, uh, you know, that final time. Uh, uh, or I guess that's really not the final time. We take step one all the time. But anyways, uh, talk about your surrender. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Surrender, um definitely,
1: I like to say every time I put my food on the scale, I'm surrendering um, yeah, because every time i eat i'm I am resigning myself to the fact that this is something I cannot control because I've tried, um so definitely, when it comes to weighing and measuring my food and being honest with with what I'm eating. Um, For me, surrender when it comes to life's unmanageability. Most of my unmanageability was definitely in my head space. It was um, yelling at my kids for no reason, right? It would show up as arguing with someone at work, Um, going to great extremes to get my point across, Distancing myself emotionally from my husband, getting stuck in my routine of what I want to happen, getting mad when it didn't happen. So again, I think it's very—it was very much an—I'd like to say—an internalized struggle. um, Being a compulsive overeater, because even when I would binge, I didn't—I mean, I would eat a lot. A period in front of people, but binging like the true. Not stopping multiple multiple quite that was done alone, but for me, the surrender um that the- t- the last you know the 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 impetus of me working the steps this last time that surrender was it, and I will be honest, it came from a place of fear, it came from a place of fear of living well, no let me be rigorously honest here. It probably came from a fear of being so morbidly obese, I would be embarrassed of myself to go out in public if I'm being brutally honest with myself and with others. I will say the fear of, because I know I have that ability, you all, I mean, I'm sure there are multiple people on this line who can say, oh, I can pack 10 pounds on in a week. So how many weeks is it going to take me to get to 400 pounds? Not many, right? And so that's probably was, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that to myself because over my lifetime, the way I had kept my weight in check was more vanity than you know anything else. I was willing to restrict for a certain number, a certain period of time, to get to a manageable weight that I wasn't embarrassed to be at, right? So, well, I'm gonna be honest. That, that's probably it came from a place of fear. That fear of being like presenting a show up in the world like that because of my vanity. But behind that also came, I can't, am I going to be embarrassment to my husband and kids? And if I I know how I was in the food, what is this going to do to our budget? What is this? I mean, there are gazillion, like I can circle the drain really fast. So when it came to surrender, I had a lot to surrender. But I was also in a place of fear where I didn't feel like I really had a choice. Unless that's the life I want to live for myself and my family. I don't really have a choice at this point and that would suck. Like I know how painful that would be not just for me personally. I'm a selfish person. So primarily for me but for others too. And so for me a step one at that point was to just realize I am a very, very, very sick person. And when I hear fellows say I'm sicker today than I was yesterday and I'm gonna be sicker tomorrow. Well, if I'm sicker tomorrow, I can't keep doing what I, you know, at that point I was like, I can't keep doing what I'm doing today because it's just gonna be worse tomorrow. So for me then, it was more fear. For me today, it's because I wanna keep what I have. And I want, to, I want to keep the emotional sobriety. I want to, I'm willing. I'm willing to surrender. And the most beautiful miracle, I will say, of step one for me today is that I'm willing to surrender and accept whatever God has coming, even if it sucks, even if it's catastrophic. And I say that, and that doesn't mean that I'll be happy about it or be completely content with it. I could be completely distraught. But what I do know is that I'm closer to accepting that as God's will today than I definitely was in the food, in my old solution. Um, So day-to-day, surrender looks, step one looks a lot like doing all the things in program I don't want to do and doing them anyway. So I like like the, the saying, just do it anyway, do it anyway, do it anyway, do it anyway. Like, it's like going to the gym. I don't go to the gym and be like, God, I wish I wouldn't have come here. This is awful. I feel like crap. I don't ever say that. I get up and I go, and I'm done, and then I feel good. I'm like, Oh well, I'm glad I went today. Was I not as strong today as I would like to have been? Yeah, but I feel better. I'm glad I went. I don't ever say that sucked. Well, let me let me be honest. Have I ever made outreach calls where I'm like, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have called? Maybe once or twice. In the gazillion times I've done it, so, but for the most part, I don't. I I don't regret showing up and doing all the things on a daily basis that I need to do to surrender and remember that I'm just as sick. I'm sick today. I'm sicker tomorrow and I'm sicker today than I was yesterday. Yeah. Thank you. Hope that answered it.
0: Thanks, Lisa L. Okay. Now we have Jessica C. And that'll be followed by Gloria N. Before we close, go ahead, Jessica C with your question.
4: Hi, um hi Haley, thank you so much for your your share. I related to so much of it. Um you mentioned that you um have a tendency to get into black and white thinking. Um I was just wondering do you set up do you have an ideal for yourself? You talked about step 6 and setting up ideals for yourself. Do you have an ideal that you set up for yourself? when you know you might be getting into a scenario where black and white thinking would come up? And if you do, could you talk a bit about what that looks like for you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I have found that in some areas um, of my program and my life, the black and white thinking is helpful, particularly when it comes to what I eat, um, particularly when it comes to the things I do in program every day. Um, But when it comes to working on my character defects, if I had that thinking, then I would feel like I was failing all the time, I think. So for me, um, I will take my primary character defect of selfishness. I have to accept that some days are going to look better than others. Um, And have a little bit of grace for myself because that black and white thinking can also lead to perfectionism and feeling like I'm a complete failure if I don't do it completely right. I'm using a lot of catastrophic words there. But um, so I have to be very mindful that it's a process. Spiritual progress, not perfection. Not process, not progress with my food. That's very black and white. I'm either doing it or I'm not. I'm either weighing it or I'm not I'm either eating what I'm supposed to eat or I'm not like it's very black and white but when it comes to my character defects and my spiritual experience and my my connection and conscious contact with God that is my life's work and so it, it's going to have a bit of an ebb and flow some mornings in prayer meditation it is on point. I am like giving my burly guy like a big hug and we're just chatting, sitting on a bench and it's great. And I feel connected and I come out and it's like sunshine clouds. And then there are some mornings where I am so distracted that I'm like, God, I'm here. I know you're here, but I'm I'm half here, but I'm like staring out the window, but I'm here. Right. And so that black and white thinking would not serve me well if I was expecting show up in my prayer meditation every morning and leave feeling like oh that was great I did we did that was wonderful it's not going to happen every day so I think when it when it comes to that black and white thinking when it comes to my spiritual progress and it comes to working on these character defects and it comes to engaging with people and this is why I have the tenth step too I know that if I'm sitting across from someone at work and they're irritating and I get impatient really easy um i know that i can pull out my app and start typing she can still be talking but i'm steady typing typing out my temp step and if that's all i got that's all i got If that's all i can do i, I can't just leave the meeting and pick up the phone and just, i will type it and i will have a handful of people i know i can text my temp steps like that too and they'll take them and then guess what miracles happen in the middle of that meeting all of a sudden she's not irritating anymore I can show tolerance, I can show love, and I'm becoming thicker skinned when I say tolerance. So black and white thinking doesn't serve me well when it works, when it when I when I think about character defects and my spiritual progress. So I hope that helps.
2: Thank you, Jessica C. Our final question for the morning comes from Gloria N. Uh, my question is: This is Gloria in in Ohio. Uh, my question is: are, are the questions recorded part of the recording? Yes. Oh, good, good, good. That's that's really was my question, <laughs> and I want to thank the speaker. I I so enjoyed hearing it and inspired by it, and I look forward to talking with you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Gloria.
0: Thank you. Gloria, thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Haley, for spending time with us this morning, sharing your personal experience and insights, utilizing the serenity prayer and the application of the 12 steps in your life, and what an inspirational presentation it was. Thank you so much, The share ID for today, 20,615, that's 20615. And we're going to close now from page 164 in a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.